Welcome back to another episode of Checking In. In studio, I have with me today, Blair Wilson. Thank you very much for joining us, Blair. Oh, it's a pleasure. Thanks for asking me. So, I'm excited uh, to dive in. Did a little bit of research. I like to be a little bit informed, but I actually prefer not to be informed because I can't wait for you to tell me things and then I get excited and ask you questions. So, on your LinkedIn profile, you say, proven entrepreneur and capital market specialist. That's a mouthful. <laughs> so then I dive in a little bit more. You're a CPA. C CA by profession, retired, yes. retired CA. Yes. You are currently the president of Canadian uh, Eco Equity, Equity Corp. Corp. And then you're also the founder and CEO of Forbidden Spirits Distilling Company. Yes, correct. So yeah, you yeah. have a few hats that you're wearing. You know, it's it's mostly now probably 120% of my time is Forbidden Spirits. Uh, Eco Equity Corp was a green leasing company that I started probably about 25 years ago to lease solar panels to, to uh, commercial and residential homeowners. 20 years ago. 20 years ago. It was, it was, the market was a lot different back then than it is now. But uh -huh. uh, uh, no, now that we've, we moved up to Kelowna and bought the apple orchard, started the Forbidden Spirits Distillery, it's 100% of my time and my wife's time is, is spent on the distillery. So the one additional piece I want to add in here, because I think this is part of the neat uh, equation, uh, former member of parliament. So, uh, solar panel, uh, politics, accounting. I, had also, I, I also had a chain of pizza restaurants in Poland as well. You, after, you, the, after the Berlin Wall came down, one of my first clients when I had my CA firm was a Polish fellow. And he said, no. you know, can you do the books? And I said, sure. He goes, do you speak Polish? I said, no. <laughs> I said, I, I, need, I need clients. I said, I'll, I'll learn and I'll, you know, I'll translate the, the chart of accounts. Revenue is revenue and cost of goods sold is cost of goods sold. So anyway, so I did it. And at the end of the year, I said, well, you know, I got to go to Poland to see that you actually have this restaurant. It's called Pan Smak. I mean, it's a, a Polish for Mr. Tasty. So anyways, I flew over there. Sure enough, there's his, got his restaurant lined up out the door. People no way. Are. There was probably seven restaurants in the city of Wrocław, which probably has a population of about 750,000 people. Seven restaurants. That was it. And I said, well, we got to open up another restaurant. And he looked at me like I was crazy. He goes, no, one restaurant is enough. And I said, no, no. So we walked across the street, found the owner of the property across the street, signed a 20-year lease no. on a napkin. No. And he goes, well, where are we going to get the money? I said, don't worry. I said, I'll, I'll, go to, I'll, I'll come back with some. So I, I flew back to Canada, uh, talked my wife into putting like a $30,000 second mortgage on our house, flew back, and we built the second pizza restaurant. And then I came back to Vancouver. I uh, talked to my managers at my CA firm, said, you know, I'm going to be bowing out of my CA firm. We're going to build a, a third restaurant in Poland. Flew back there, built the third restaurant, and then I spent, spent the next uh, two and a half years, one month in Poland, one month in Vancouver. Uh, we, we got up to seven restaurants open and seven more under construction and uh, took the company public on the Toronto Stock Exchange. I think we raised about eight or nine million dollars. And we owned the land and the, the, and the building that the restaurants were on, so that was the key. But anyways, that's... Get yeah. out of here. <laughs> like, that's, so I just want to, I want to unpack that for a second. That would seem to some as uh, a tad risky or impulsive, maybe. How, how do you come by that character trait or, 
or is it again going back to CA, CPA, you know numbers real quick, you spotted something you know, it's that a, was... It's, it's a little bit of both. Obviously, I, I did the books for the company, I saw how profitable their one restaurant was. But you know, when I was uh, 14, I started washing dishes at the keg in North Vancouver, and I worked at the keg restaurants for 10 years. Uh, did everything from busing tables to cooking to waiting to bartending. So I knew the I knew the you restaurant knew the, business. Yeah. I actually had I think I remember I had to take a cut and pay from from Clarkson Gordon who became Ernst and Young uh, to to go from being a keg waiter to articling uh, downtown. <laughs> but uh, but you know it was part part it's part of the whole journey. So right, and was, we learned so much along the way. And and again, thank you for for coming in because this is already a lot of fun. So, uh, fast forward to today, you're, you, you have a 20-acre apple, uh, apple orchard. So now let's examine that. You come uh, when, 2010? Uh, ten, right? ten, 10 years ago. I'd never, never been on a tractor in my life. Right, and so you just buy an apple orchard. Why? Well, what you know, were you thinking? I, I've, I've been fortunate enough that I've been retired three times in my life, uh -huh. and they all last about two or three years. And so, at this point in time, I was retiring, and my wife and I said, you know, let's leave West Vancouver, let's come up to Kelowna, let's have a quieter life, let's buy an apple orchard, and you know, it had four acres of dirt at the one end, which my wife loved, so that we could put an equestrian center there for her, mm. and it had a little ten-pad RV park in the middle, which I loved. There's revenue. Um, so we sort of, you know, I spent two and a half years building the, the equestrian center, building our house, looking after the apples. And then, you know, I can remember one, one day on the tractor, getting proficient at riding a tractor. You know, when you first do it, city kid coming to Kelowna, how much fun is this, right? <laughs> I've got all these toys. I'll move that dirt from here to here. And then, oh, you know, I'll move that dirt back. And uh, so it got to a point where the, houses, the house was built and the equestrian center was looking after itself. And I'm looking at these apples going, there's no money in apples. Like, uh, you know, there was, the, I can't remember what we sold to Sunripe for 20 cents a pound. And, you know, it cost us 20 cents a pound to pick them, let alone water them, prune them, and, and everything else. So I thought there's going to be a higher and better use for these apples. And I originally thought cider. So I wrote a business plan using apple cider, but it wouldn't work. The numbers just, was just too tight. And uh, so I did what most people do. I went to a convention in Seattle, a whiskey convention, said forget about it and uh, met the guys from Germany who manufactured our still for us. And they basically said, Blair, you know, we've been manufacturing stills in Germany for 150 years. We can turn your apples into vodka. That's the copper. That's the copper okay. still. And I was okay. like, oh, okay, if you guys can do that, now, you know, that, that could change things. So came back to Kelowna, rewrote the business plan, met with my lawyers at, at Pusher Mitchell, who were incredibly helpful. Mm -hmm. And at that point in time, the craft distilling industry was changing in BC and the governments were, were giving a little bit more incentives uh, for local distilleries to start up and to produce and to sell our product. So uh, when I did the business plan, the numbers worked and I thought, okay, well, you know, let's do this and raised about a million dollars from my family and started uh, construction on the new distillery and then uh, we went back to friends and, friends and family. We raised about $4.1 million to, to build our state-of-the-art distillery, tasting room, lounge. It's beautiful. And thank you, thank you. And uh, now we're sort of moving on to, to, to the next step. 
Okay, so you buy an apple orchard, you give it a go, and you realize, although fun to drive the tractor, not a really big money maker. No, not at not, all. Yeah. Not a big investment opportunity. So then, uh, forgive me because I'm not overly proficient in, in, in alcoholic beverages. Vodka, it, does it normally come from apple? No. It norm, no, it no. normally comes from wheat or potatoes. Uh, although P. Diddy owns a, a, a distillery in France and he, he makes his out of grapes. Hmm. Um, so basically, sugar plus yeast equals alcohol. Got it. Yeah. That's an easy formula. Yeah. I can remember that. So, so you uh, decide, you crunch the numbers and you decide that there's an opportunity to turn your apples into vodka and your go again, your go. So stepping into this world, and, and again, I'm looking at the site and I'm seeing um, the liquor stores that you have your product in and I'm seeing the restaurants and bars that you have that, that shelf your, your product. So how, the learning curve, I'm really interested about the learning curve. How did you or what did you do to figure out how to get the product in the liquor stores? Is there just a buyer that you wine and dine? Is there? No, you know, that's a good, really good question. And it, it all starts with the product. Uh, before before we were able to do any sales or any marketing or, or even even think about it, we had to perfect the, uh, the, the the mechanism of how we make vodka from apples. And having apples as your raw material is a huge advantage over uh, wheat or potatoes because you know you've got the aroma to deal with. And so mm. you know if you taste if you taste our vodka side by side beside other vodkas, you'll notice there's a different aroma. Uh, flavor you know ours just sort of smells a little bit fruity but you, you really can't you really can't put your nose on it uh, but the taste as well is is ultra smooth and so we had to change the way we manufacture our vodka as well so I went back to Germany I, I talked to the manufacturers looked at their different specifications it's a hundred percent custom-made still for us 25 times distilled and that's that's the important part 25 okay. times distilled a distillation is when you take your liquid you steam it and it goes back to a liquid. So it's a chemical uh, tra chemical transaction where it goes from a liquid to a gas back to a liquid and all the impurities get removed in that process. And you process. didn't know this. I You're didn't know, I didn't know anything. Okay. I, I, I'm an entrepreneur, so I try and partner with the best and hire the best people I can and get good consultants to give me the, the advice and then take a look at it all and say, Oh no, we're, you know, we could have bought a still from the United States, we could yeah. have bought a still from China. Who makes the best stills? And the three biggest best manufacturers are all in Germany. Because uh, they've been doing it, they've been doing it for for years. And so, to just quickly to put it in perspective, twenty-five times distilled Rebel yeah. Vodka, Smirnoff is distilled three times, Grey Goose is six. Okay. We're twenty-five. We're not even in the, the not same, even not even the in the same, same league. No. Um, and in order to, and so once we've developed our, our great product. Now, the sales process for us is basically just to do a taste test with the, with the sommeliers or the managers or the bartenders to say, what's your favorite vodka? Put it next to Rebel. You, you tell me which one you like. Okay. And it sells itself. Okay. So you are the guy on the road? Well, in 2019 I was. In 2019 yep. I, took the, I took this bottle of Rebel. Yep. We knocked on doors. 
poured people it, took orders, and you know, I did about $200,000 in sales the first year, not too bad for knocking on doors. And then I realized if we want to scale this, this operation up, we're going to have to outsource that. And so we hired a liquor agency in, in British Columbia. There's a number of them. We interviewed them. Uh, you know, you have to have a, a fit together as to, you know, what your outlook sure. and vision is on life. Um, so Lynette has, has her firm. She's got nine saleswomen and two salesmen. Like it's all of British Columbia. And within the, the last six months of last year, she did $500,000 in sales for me. Uh, completely outstripped my 200000 But that was one person knocking on doors. And now we're in the process of taking our product into Alberta and taking our product into Ontario. And we're negotiating with um, provincial liquor agencies yeah. in each one of those provinces uh, to rep our product. So I want to go back to that, that knocking on doors, Blair, because I, again, I've said it many times, lots of people that, that know myself and our company, we work with so many companies in so many verticals. And, and it is, a, it is the, the traits of those that, that I get to speak to that are successful, that, that it, it, it's just so obvious to me. So a company owns uh, or opens a, I don't know, a flooring store. And maybe they sit there and wait for the door to open or watch the telephone and see if it rings and click send and receive to see if they get an email. Like that's, that's mm -hmm. not unusual. What is unusual is someone putting a measuring tape around their neck and literally going and knocking on doors. You did that. You I, did that. I think you have to do that. But not everybody has that in them to do that. So so the fact that you did that, like I, I want the uh, listeners of this to hear, you can be in a business. So if I say uh, vodka from apples, of course, unusual, but liquor, not unusual. So you're in a, uh, in a, in a uh, well-lived industry or sector, but you're not afraid to go get the business. So you went out, you knocked on doors, you got a couple hundred thousand dollars worth of sales. You proved that distilling 25? 25 times. 25 times gave a smoother, better product. So now you, you just literally slide the glasses over and they're like, yeah, I get it, I'll buy some. Yeah. So you proved- But no, the greatest thing about that process is 99% of them are doubtful that this craft vodka is going to come anywhere near a, 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 a Belvedere, or anywhere yeah, yeah. near a Grey Goose, or anywhere. You know, so their their preconceived notion yeah. is this is going to be horrible. It really is. And then the look on their face. I should videotape it because it's it's, it's it is hilarious once they do it. They're like, it can't be forty percent alcohol. I go, it's forty percent alcohol. Yes, it is. Fascinating. Yeah. So so you've now you you have a, a an agency that's going to help you bring. Um, uh, bring the product to more markets like Alberta and Ontario you're focusing on. But now let's, let's add in COVID. So COVID comes, we've got this beautiful 20 acre forbidden spirits. We're going to host all kinds of events and people are going to come and you're, you're going to follow, or you maybe we're going to follow more of a traditional path around or similar to the wineries that we have. Uh, bring COVID onto onto the stage and all of a sudden everything comes to a dead halt. So now we, we have to go to plan B. 
Well, yeah. When the, when the COVID hit, we you know it, sh- it shocked everybody, and yeah. at, at the t- it's even hard to remember how bad it was. But we just we basically laid everybody off and said, look, everyone's laid off. Everyone go home, isolate two weeks. Yeah. Let's figure. And then you know that got them to the front of the line to be able to get assistance from the government because I didn't know how long they we would be shut down for. Um, and so we took the two weeks, and I'm, you know I was I remember walking through the distillery by myself, nobody there. You know, the, oh, the feeling I, in your I gut is it. horrible. Yeah. Going, what are we gonna do? Yeah. And at the time, you know, the the there were the PPE issue was was big. There was no toilet paper to be had no and, and no bleach no. and you know they're all they wanted sanitizer and and you know I have a Scottish heritage so I'm a little cheap and <laughs> frugal is probably the better word frugal and so the byproduct of the basically the byproduct of making alcohol is sanitizer and so normally we would just flush that down the, the drain with the apple juice and everything oh, else that we don't use gosh. but I couldn't I couldn't no. see myself dumping it so I, I stored it in 1,000 liter totes so as I'm walking through there, I'm looking at four totes filled to the brim, 4,000 liters of potentially hand sanitizer. And so, you know, I did a little, I made a few phone calls, called my master distiller, said, look, come on back. We're going to take a look at this and retool our whole facility to just make the, the hand sanitizer. You know, the, the stuff that we had in the 1,000 liter totes wasn't, you know, we couldn't just bottle it. It still had to go through another distillation process to sure. clean it up a bit. Uh, but within two weeks, we, I, I hired back most of my staff. We retooled for hand sanitizer. And then, you know, at that point in time, I couldn't get um, uh, containers to no. hold the hand sanitizer. No. The, the, the global yeah. demand was all over the place. And so luckily I knew somebody who knew somebody in Coquitlam that had some that could ship some up to us and we bought them. But in the meantime, we had hand sanitizer, finished product, 70% alcohol, the World Health Organization's recipe we followed. Uh, and it was, was per- beautiful, uh, but we didn't have the containers. So we put an ad, we put a, a, an ad out basically saying, anybody that comes, bring your container, we'll give away free hand sanitizer to the community. And that, you know, that's what started out. We had a thousand cars lined up. I remember. Up. The RCMP were there. They came at 10 o'clock and said, Blair, what are you doing? And I said, we're giving away free hand sanitizer. And the RCMP guy just roll, rolls his eyes like, and he goes, what are, we, what are you going to do with all these cars? I don't know. We're trying to give it away as fast as we can. So he was nice enough to let us sort of keep going for about a couple hours. Then he came back and said, "Blair, we're we gonna have can't. to shut. We have to yeah. shut, shut you down." And so we said, "Great, no problem. We'll, you know, we had to send everybody away." And so what we we realized was like, "Okay, let's. We got to do this next Saturday. These Saturday sanitizers. How can we do it better?" And so Megan, who works for me, would be said, and she's more of like the, the IT person and yeah. the social media. Said, "Let's put it out there. Let's sell tickets at ten dollars a person. The ticket." And that gets them in line. We'll only sell 300 tickets, so that's $3,000. We can handle 300 cars and we'll donate the, the money to charity. I said, great idea. So we did that. She put it online. I think 20 minutes later, like it was sold, sold out. out. Sold mm-hmm. out. And so we said, okay, I think it was 10 o'clock in the morning. We'd open. At 9 o'clock, cars started lining up for, mm-hmm. the, for the 10 o'clock. I go, you don't have to get here early. You got a ticket. You're, You're going to get, get the hand sanitizer. Yeah, yeah. So anyways, we did that for 10 Saturdays in a row. And every Saturday, we'd pick a different charity from the SPCA to Mamas for Mamas uh, to the food bank and donate the, the 3000 or $4,000 4, some days we got um, from the people coming to get the hand sanitizer. So it helped the community. It, it, it helped the charitable organizations. And, it, you know, it helped put us on the map as well. I was going to say, so you, you wouldn't have done this in a... In a 
in a preconceived way. You wouldn't have gone, aha, I know how we'll get our name out there and get <laughs> yeah. on the map. It was very organic and natural in the way that it happened. But it literally, um, I think, introduced forbidden spirits to the community for those that didn't know it, and you became sort of the talk of the town. So that was... Absolutely. And it's amazing. I, and I'll say this from an entrepreneurial's point of view. The people that I talked to that were in the lineup were going, Blair, you know, I live like four blocks away. I didn't I know you didn't were here. I didn't know you were here. Because <laughs> I, I don't drive oh, yeah. that way. I drive yeah. the other direction to get uh, down to the mission. Yeah. And it's so amazing how so close you can be and, and, and people are unaware. And people not know. Yeah. So definitely uh, put your name on the map locally. And now, uh, because you uh, are so casual in business and hardly ever lift your head up to be visionary and look forward sarcasm uh now nine months ago you're sitting down trying to think how this can be bigger and better and you look at a vehicle you look at uh, a capital pool company yeah, vehicle. That, that's that's exactly right. So we we're you know we were looking at expanding into Ontario. Uh, actually, just right before that, you know, we went. We were lucky enough. We went to a, a convention in Cologne, Germany, uh, called Anuga 2019, and it's one of the biggest food and beverage shows in the world. I had no idea, uh, and we were lucky enough to go with the Department of Agriculture, Government of Canada. They had they selected 20 companies. We were one of the 20 companies to go onto their booth, which saved us money and allowed us to get to. Cologne, Germany. And anyways, one of the first person that came up to the booth to talk to my wife, Kelly, uh, was a buyer for um, a Romanian company called Carrefour. Well, sorry, it's not a Romanian company. It's a, it's a French company called Carrefour that happens to have 600 stores in Romania. And just 600. Just 600, just exactly. 600. I know. It's hard to imagine when you get outside your bubble, yeah. you know, what's available. Um, so they were, we were at the convention. They tried our vodka. They loved it. We continue to negotiate with them. And we're negotiating right now for uh, to turn our, our, our um, purchase agreement into a purchase order uh, for Q2 or Q3. Uh, and so Car4 is a massive international conglomerate with, as I said, the stores in Romania. So they use Romania as their launching pad. Yeah. If we can be successful in Romania, we can supply their stores with our vodka there. Then they'll take us into France and Germany where they have 10,000 stores. 10, so it's crazy. So we came back to came back after that convention and went, okay, you know, we're going to have to uh, tool up a little bit more yeah. as well too. So we bought a few more fermentation tanks to be able to meet the demand that uh, uh, Romania is going to have. And at the same convention, we met uh, a buyer uh, for Kunming Department Store. I'd never heard of them. And anyways, they liked our vodka. We negotiated with them. And then just before last Christmas, uh, I was on the phone with them and they were like, Blair, I think we're ready to go. When can you come to China to sign a, sign an agreement? I said, next week. And they laughed. I said, I'll see you next week. And so I jumped on a plane, my wife and I, we flew to Beijing. We met with the government officials in Beijing. I didn't realize it's against the law for Chinese companies to export money outside uh, the country unless you're approved by the government. So there was forms and, yeah. and legal work that we yeah. had to do in Beijing and we did that. And then we took the bullet train down to Shanghai. I, you know, I'd never been to any of these places. Uh, the bullet train, incredible. Shanghai, I would, I would tell everybody, you got to go. Really? It is New York okay. City plus Las Vegas. 
combined. It's huge, it's all beautiful, it's clean, um, it, it's gigantic. And so anyway, so we met with some uh, potential buyers and brokers of our, of our alcohol uh, in Shanghai. And then we flew to this little city, Kunming, four hour flight outside of Shanghai. Like in the middle of nowhere, you land, beautiful city, uh, eight million people. So we walk up to the Kunming department store that's there, looks like Nordstrom's. You walk in, it's gorgeous, think of a Starbucks right at the very bottom. I walk in to buy a, a, a Starbucks coffee, $5 for a cup of Canadian, for a cup of Starbucks drip. And I said, what's, what is with that? And there's people lined up. They, they obviously didn't care, they're paying no. $5 Canadian. Yeah. And they said, Blair, you can get everything in North America and China. It just might cost you two or three times the amount. So anyways, as we're on the plane leaving, uh, you know, we negotiated a $42.50 price uh, with, the, with the Chinese. And I said, what price are you going to sell our vodka for? And they laughed. And they said, well, more, more than $100 a bottle. And I said, well, good on you. God bless you. you know, we're happy to sell it to you at our price. And you know, once they receive it, they, they can do what they, they like with it. So, uh, so anyway, so fast forward then, came back, to, came back here. Realize we have some of these international purchase orders. We want to expand it into Ontario. Uh, we need more capital. Yes, uh, that's it. And you know, I had raised you know four point one million dollars from about seventy five investors, which were great brand ambassadors. And so we you know we couldn't get where we want to go raising at seventy five thousand dollars at a time. No. Um, so I, again, I went back to Pusher Mitchell and basically Cute. said, here's yeah. what I, here's what I want to do. How do I do this? And the CPC, mm -hmm. uh, Capital mm -hmm. Pool Company, came mm -hmm. up and mm -hmm. uh, so came back to our boardroom, uh, which is our kitchen table, and, <laughs> and figured out, okay, that, that's something we could do. And so we set up the CPC called Spartan Acquisition Corp. And so we've now put out a news release saying that Spartan Acquisition Corp is going to amalgamate with our private company, uh, Forbidden Spirits Distillery, and become a publicly traded company. And then concurrent with that amalgamation, uh, we announced that we're going to raise between 3.6 and 4.5 million dollars for this new entity so that the investors now who are investing at 30 cents a share uh, will own a share in the combined conglomerate mm -hmm. that has 3.6 million dollars cash in the bank and is ready to expand into uh, eastern canada and eastern europe as well so if i sat at your boardroom table 10 years ago with you and, and kelly would you have been able to predict any of this? Absolutely not. None, none at all. No, we, you know, it was just sort of one step at a time, doing what we love to do. Is, you know, I realize now after retiring three times that I'm not really the retiring type. No. This is, uh, this is building, the building process is, is what really jazzes me up to be able to, to, take, to take something that's nothing and add to it and, and increase the sales. We've got some great employees working with us and great partners in, in, in the new shareholders that we're, we're attracting as well. So there's a lot of different elements. So exciting. Absolutely, Absolutely exciting. D do you have the uh, do you have the facility or the space to meet the demand? Can you can you be so much bigger than what you are today? That's a that's a great question because when I originally thought about the, when we, our, our first location, I thought, okay, you know, we'll spend five million dollars, we'll get it to capacity. I'll go to Calgary, build another five million dollar facility, get it to capacity, yeah, yeah. go to Saskatchewan, yeah. and I was like, I'm shaking my head, going, see, that is is going to take an awful lot of work and a lot of time to have that whole process go. 
And then I was lucky Rick, who's one of our shareholders and sort of on my board of advisors, uh, worked with uh, Ocean Spray Cranberry Juice mm. and had said to me something along the lines of, Blair, do you know how many, you know, we, we did, they were doing about 80 million, I think I've got the numbers right, sales in Canada. How many employees do we have? And I said, I don't know, 150? And he said, five. And I said, five? How, how do you do that? He goes, we outsourced everything. We outsourced the, the growing of the, of, the, of, the, of the cranberries, the juicing, the production, the bottling. We outsourced the sales and marketing. And he goes, you're almost doing that now in British Columbia. Oh. I go, yeah, because we have a liquor agent that, that handles yeah. all the sales and distribution. Yeah. And if I outsource the manufacturing of our Rebel and get somebody to co-pack it for us, then you know, we can ramp up very quickly. So I got on the phone to a couple of the craft distillers yeah. in, in Alberta. And I said, you know, we know how much it costs us to make a bottle. It's about $8. And so I said, you know, if I pay you $10, will you manufacture this bottle for us? And they go, oh, well, how do we get the raw material? I said, don't worry, Sunripe will ship you direct the apple juice concentrate. Our glass company in Vernon will ship you the, ship you the bottles. Our cork company will send you the corks. Basically, you just have to take the juice, follow our recipe, and you know we do have uh, some nuances in that as well too. We've got a proprietary yeast strain that we've mm, developed mm-hmm, that works effectively mm-hmm. with the apple juice. I said so. You know we'll send you a, a brown paper bag with our yeast in it, so you you don't know what it is, and basically follow our recipe and make it for us. And they said, you know, Blair, we're a craft distiller outside of Calgary. We run our still two to three times a week. The other times it's just sitting there unused. So, so you're the using, excess capacity. Yes. And so same thing. So I went, flew back. This is when you can fly back. I was in Toronto, in Ontario, talking to uh, a bigger craft distiller, and same sort of thing. You go, Blair, we'd be happy to, to co-pack for you. So now our expansion plans are to to, to co-pack our, our product and to outsource the sales and marketing of it. So right. the 3.6 million dollars that we're about to raise right now is none of it is is going to be spent on capex. Mm-hmm. It's all going to be spent on brand building and increasing our, our sales and increase our marketing presence. So you have another uh, program or initiative or product tucked in your back pocket that you shared with me, and it is the ready to drink products. What are you doing there? You know, it's listening to to the boots on the ground. I think yeah. that would be the idea. So, you know, Lynette's got her saleswomen who are fantastic, and I sometimes have been able to go down to Vancouver and ride along with them as they call on their different clients. And so I, when I was down there last doing a ride along, they call it, um, uh, they were saying, you know, Blair, if you could come up with a, a vodka soda or a gin and tonic in a can, it would really sell well. And I was like, well, you know, you're in tennis, yeah. we'll really sell well. We're already making our vodka, we're already making our gin. All we need is the soda and the tonic and a canning and line. A can. um, so I came back and, you know, went to, back to the drawing boards to go, okay, let's develop a, a flavor profile that we like. And at that time, we were already selling a lavender lime mm-hmm. uh, cocktail in the, so in the tasting room. And everyone loved that. So I said, okay, let's do a gin and lavender lime in a can. Um, so we got outsourced it for the graphic designers. So we've got a really cool looking label for the can. We've got 20,000 cans sitting yes. on the outside of the distillery. And then I had to hire a new, uh, master distiller, uh, Richard, who is our, our distiller is doing a fabulous job, but he's just pinned to, to the ground yeah, doing yeah. our vodka and gin. So I, I hired Alistair, who's a young master distiller to say, basically you're in, you're in charge of doing the RTD. Let's get a flavor profile and let's get those cans, uh, canned just to be able to give them away um, mm-hmm. to all our current, we were in about 150 uh, liquor stores, just mm-hmm. to say, here you go, here's a six pack, or um, try it out, tell, me, tell us what you think, give us your purchase order mm-hmm. for, for mm-hmm. May long weekend or something like that. 
So we're in the process of, uh, of uh, developing those, those two products, but the, the demand in British Columbia for RTD is, is insane. It was up Huge. about 45% last year. I think they do, as, as the sales and the ready to drink, or they call it refresh market, last yeah. year was about mm -hmm. the same as our vodka sales, which is in BC is $600,000 a day. So the BC liquor stores sell $600,000 a day in vodka. Uh, Ontario is a little bit bigger. They do 1.5, 1.6 million dollars a day in vodka sales, and the refresh is almost equal to the vodka sales. So definitely an an, an area that would make very good business sense. Yeah, and it's, a, it's, a, it's an e and it's an easy brand extension, and we can we can maintain our brand profile of the Rebel Vodka and the Eve's Gin at the same time. So, so during this time, did 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 Kelly ever go, oh my gosh, what now? Or are you guys just so excited to, to keep doing this? Like, or was there ever a time where you went, wow, this is hard, we're not gonna figure this out, yeah. I give? No, you, you probably, you, first I'd say you probably have to ask her first what she thinks. Okay. <laughs> uh, but you know, I, I, we've been married for 32 years. Uh, so she knows me pretty well, uh, and uh, the, the the worst thing anybody can say to me is you can't do that. I love it. And uh, so I don't I don't hear that. Um, and it's usually you know it, we, we do things one step at a time as well. It, it's funny when you look back, people say, "Wow, an instant success." It's like no, no, you know we 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 uh, uh, incorporated our company in 2014. Mm -hmm. It took a year to get through all the paperwork to apply for the liquor license. You know, it was mm -hmm. like inches thick and mm -hmm. RCMP police checks and, and, and everything. So, you know, people forget the, the, the early years and just sort of look at, you know, oh, you have a, a vodka soda in a can now. I guess that, that just happened instantly. Overnight yeah. success. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Any advice you would give anyone? I mean, you are a success story today already. Uh, and and there's so many people that want to take the risk and step out and start something that either A, they're passionate about, or B, that they have a hunch that this is going to be a thing, that there's something that's going to come in this new vertical or space. Any advice you would give them? I think I would say, you know, follow your passion. Yeah. And, you know, I said this to our kids when they were growing up. I said, you know, I don't really care what you become. Yeah. Just just love getting out of bed in the morning and, and going to do it. And and then the second thing is, is, is not everybody is an entrepreneur. And, and that's okay. Um, it's a different mindset to, to be the one that's taking the risks and starting from scratch as opposed to somebody that is just, you know what, um, I'm a basketball coach or I'm a high school teacher. Well, you know what, we need great high school teachers out there. And we need great basketball coaches. So do that if, if that's what brings you joy um, so I think that's the key is, is finding what, what what brings you joy and then it's not work at all well I I thank you so much for coming in today Blair to to meet with me I really enjoyed hearing the journey and I can't help but comment on uh, the statement that I found on on your website on on forbidden spirits and it is uh, an apple a day in a whole new way. I love it. <laughs> Thank you for being here with us today. Oh, thanks for having me. My pleasure.